which is beautiful. But it is beautiful to be together. I did get the stuff from Natalie, but I also got uh, a little an Easter card. You don't always get cards, but little Cleo made me an Easter card with the cutest little rabbit face on it. I know it's a bit hard to see, but it's really quite well done and very, uh, very beautiful. So that's a little bit precious for me this morning. Hey, uh, welcome to you all. Thank you for joining us on this very special occasion. It's my great delight to be able to uh, deliver this morning's message on Easter Resurrection Sunday. And for all of our guests, it's the warmest welcome. And we do want to let you know that uh, this is on every Sunday. If you're from this region, please, you are always welcome. 10 o'clock every Sunday, we have amazing things for the kids and teenagers every Sunday. And you are welcome. And Feel free to hang around for a coffee today. You might have to run to the coffee machine to get in early before the wait, but it'll be a worthy wait, I tell you. It's good coffee. So, uh, But the warmest welcome for you here this morning. I'm just going to pray quickly before uh, this morning's message. So, Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the life of Jesus, for that death and that resurrection. We thank you for what it means both for our time here on earth and our eternity. And we're grateful. We come before you today with humble hearts. We want to say thank you. Speak to us through the word of God here this morning, we pray. In the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Well, today we come together to celebrate the act that changed the world. There's never been a bigger moment in the history of humankind This is a great day as we remember the greatest story the earth has ever known, where a cross, a symbol of execution, became a sign of victory, where the cross became a message of forgiveness, a message of hope, a message of love, a message of reconciliation for all. I'm going to start by reading a passage of scripture out of the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew 27 we're in. And Jesus has, he's died. And we read this and we pick up the story in verse 62 and it says this, the next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver what they're calling Jesus in this moment, said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Jesus had walked the earth. He would lived a sinless life. He had noticed people. He had loved people. He had healed people. He spoke the truth. Here he has declared in his life that the pathway, how every human soul can make it to heaven is through him. Yet many, although God in the flesh was right before them, had missed it. And here in this passage, we hear that he's been called the deceiver. And Pilate takes on board the warning. These stones across the tombs 
at this time were huge and massive. But they wanted to make full assurance that no story would pop up, they think, would come against what they thought they had defeated. And that was they thought I'd defeated this one that was saying he was God in the flesh. So they put this seal. This seal would be like a rope they'd put across the stone of the tomb and then they'd get these big clumps of wax and push it in and it was a very significant thing as they would do this. This was a Roman seal and it carried legal authority. We hear that guards are put together and they say, go and put a guard there. This would often be of at least four soldiers and they were Roman soldiers. They were well equipped. They had their spears and their dagger and they had their shield and they had their armour and there they were to make full, fully, completely that no one was going to get past them. No one was going to get into this tomb. But in this attempt to have material obstacles human authority and human strength to stand in the way of a possibility of a story getting out there of Jesus coming out or being stolen or taken, we read this in the next chapter in Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. He is not here. He has risen. On Friday, Jesus took the sins of the world as he hung in unimaginable pain on a cross. But on Sunday, the stone was rolled away. Death was defeated. Sin was overcome. Agony and death were exchanged for glory and life everlasting. And what a difference it makes to every human being in 2023. The sinless Savior removes the shame of sin off every human life that chooses him. The cross brings healing to a broken and wounded humanity. What occurred on the third day was the critical part of the story. The Christian faith would have no meaning if it wasn't for the empty tomb. We would all be lost in our sin. Death would still rule in the hearts of people. But as we read, as we know, the tomb was empty and he is risen. He is risen. A little while later, the Apostle Paul makes a really honest statement to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. But he is risen. He wasn't stolen. He wasn't moved. He wasn't relocated. He wasn't lost. He rose. He is the risen Christ. That is the fact. And he is not dead today. He 
is alive. He is alive. In Mark 9, it says, Jesus made it clear, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, were afraid to ask him. The disciples didn't understand, but we have the full understanding of this declaration because he did rise again exactly how he said. And because Jesus Christ rose again, because it happened exactly how it says, it gives credibility to every other claim he makes in Scripture. These claims littered throughout the Gospels in the New Testament include that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was the Son of Man. He was the giver of eternal life. He is one with the Father. He is the one who forgives sin. He is the bread of life. He is the good shepherd. He is the true vine. He is the great I am. He is the giver of living water. He is the light of the world. He's the future judge. He's the Lamb of God. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's the door of salvation. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the healer. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Their words that Jesus Christ said on this earth, the one that rose up from the dead. And I'm no doctor, but I know a little bit that when you breathe your last breath, your body breaks down extremely quickly. You know that if someone dies and they're trying to revive someone, how critical every second is. But we're talking Jesus Christ three days. Three days. I know anyone else who's done it? I don't. Just him, just the one, just my Lord, just my Saviour, just the one that I will follow, the one that I will put my faith in, the one I will put my trust in. It was him. It was him. I will follow him. I will give my life to him. And I'll tell you what, I'm so blessed because I choose to live with him at the centre of my life. Our world was in darkness and it needed a saviour and his name is Jesus. If you want to live a life in the light, there's only one way and that is with Jesus in your life. If you want to put the pieces of the puzzle of life together, you need Jesus. It will never make sense without him. He is the centrepiece. There will always be a void in life without Jesus. In John eleven twenty five, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. A friend once said this, Jesus didn't die on a cross to give you more options. He died on a cross so that you would actually have an option. <laughs> There is no other way to have your sins removed and have a pathway to heaven. There's no scheme you can get involved in. There's no code to crack. There's no score that you can make. There's no donation that will get there. Not even being nice will work. There's only one way, through the life of Jesus Christ. Author Rowan Williams says this, The victory is in the cross. Instead of being any sort of afterthought, it displays what has always been true. It displays the integrity, the indestructibility 
of the love that has been at work always. The resurrection is neither an optional extra nor a happy ending. It is the inescapable bursting through of the essential reality of who and what Jesus is, the victory of the cross. I love that we sang a song earlier that had the line, every part in a work of art called love. A work of art called love by our Father in heaven. This is the love story of humankind. The cross is for the world. The cross is for you. The cross is for me. You matter. We heard Natalie talk about that. He knows you. He knows you. And you matter to him. You matter to him. And I pray today you are feeling the sense and the love of a God in heaven who is all for you. All for you. The love of God was a great driving force for him to send his son to this earth. He is desperate to be in relationship with you. He is desperate to have you come and spend eternity in heaven with him. And the cross is God's greatest act of power. There's many acts of power throughout the Old Testament. Moses, the great acts, when the Red Sea was split, Elijah, He caught fire down from heaven. David slew Goliath. Abraham and Sarah have a child at 100 years of age. Jonah survived three days and nights in the belly of a a large fish, but none compared to the work of the cross, where Jesus not only provided a total and complete atonement for the sins of all mankind, but he also paid the complete price for the healing of all sicknesses. He disarmed and defeated every demonic power from their hold on people throughout the world. And our Lord Jesus defeated death itself. He overcame the power of death through his death so that we are no longer held captive by death. Amen, amen, and amen. It was a mighty and powerful act that changed the world. And it changed my world. And my prayer is that it would change your world. There's one thing that I know about humans, and that is we have something in common, and that is that we all sin. We're all sinners. And we all start pretty young. I can remember when Sienna was like three years old, I went one Easter to make her bed. I do sometimes make the beds. It's very quick. It's inefficient. It's, it's not great, and that will agree. But sometimes throwing that doona over just looks better than having it. So I go to her bed, this young Sienna, and as I'm going to make her bed this this Easter, I notice some colourful alfoil material in the bed. And I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. We've got a little bit of an Easter egg wrapper in here. But as I go to kind of grab that, I notice there's something else in the bed. And also in the bed is some toothpaste. Three-year-old Sienna Monique Taylor, you might think she's angelic, but at the age of three, against in great disappointment, in great disobedience to her parents, had decided that Easter eggs for breakfast is okay. 
And not only is it okay to eat it against our great and wonderful parenting plan for her and her good teeth for her future, she thought that it would be smart to mask the flavour of the chocolate in her mouth by putting toothpaste and chewing the toothpaste and swallowing the toothpaste to mask the flavour, to mask the smell that we would pick up of the Easter egg. The sins that just come our way from a very young age. But as we sin in life, we actually do end up taking on a load. And it's not a good load. David in the Psalms explains it this way. For my sins overwhelm me like a heavy load. They are too much for me to bear. Too much for me to bear. When I was a young boy, our church went away on a youth camp. And on this youth camp, we'd never done it in this way or manner before. And there was one of our our leaders, her name was Susie. She was arranging this camp. And we were told that it was going to be like a bit of a hike. So we knew that we had to go and pack uh, sleeping bags, pack tents, pack food, pack our clothes. And, and go on this kind of hike. But she didn't really clearly indicate the length of the hike to people. So our church organised this camp and heaps and heaps of kids, you know, showed up for this camp. And I remember on the arrival to go down, the, uh, the walk was from a place called Bundina to Otford. It's just kind of south of Sydney, down past Cronulla in that kind of region. I looked it up a while ago. I knew that we had walked a long way over the course of these two days. It's 32.8 kilometres. 32.8. And part of the track we couldn't go on, so I'd say we probably travelled 35 kilometres as these young kids. It was brutal. I had some friends show up. They decided it would be a good idea to bring a barbecue and a gas bottle on the trip. (laughs) True story. One girl came. She was like a late entrance. I don't think anyone told her that we were walking and hiking. She brought this massive sports bag and a boomerang pillow. But as we set off on this, like, two days that was meant to be of joy and enjoyment, turned into two days of close to being in hell, really, as we walked and we walked and we walked and we, it just felt like it never ended. But we hit a problem and that was people had brought so much gear, people were in tears because they couldn't carry things any longer. And I have a brother, I've got a few brothers, I'm one of six, but I have a, a one of my older brothers, his name's Fergus, and he was one of the leaders on the camp and he was just a trooper because he just kept taking equipment off other people. We had these little, you know, little light, petite little girls, and they just couldn't handle carrying their gear anymore. And I remember as the, the second day went on, he just got more and more and more and more and more. He just, like, had tent, tent, sleeping bag, tent. Like, from up here down to his feet, he was, like, hobbling around trying to go like this because he couldn't, like, get a full stretch carrying the weight and the gear just for us to make it. Now, the upside of the story is we made it. People went on and made shirts. It was that big a deal. We survived Otford, you know, Bundina to Otford. We survived it. I took a friend from school, like never been in church. Like a year or a year and a half later, we're going for a surf and he's limping. And I'm like, 
Daniel, you're limping. He turns to me and goes, it's that stupid camp you took me on. Like, sorry, mate. Like, he was limping. I'm like, oh, he damaged his knee and he was still struggling. It was a struggle. But I remember the burdens that my brother would take after person because it was like, oh, maybe he'll take mine too. And he would just take it so that we could get to the end. I want to remind us here today, Jesus is here to take your burdens away. For every wrong you have ever done, you're one prayer away from having the entire lot forgiven, forgotten. How beautiful is that? And for many of us here that have received the gift of salvation, the burdens of life that you may carry right now, Jesus is the one to come and lift and remove. If you're carrying burdens in here today, you've got worry, you've got concern, maybe there's deep disappointments. You're carrying an illness, sickness. You're carrying grief. There's been some great loss in life. There's trauma. There's anxiety. There's life failings, whatever it may be. Come to Jesus today. Get ready to feel lighter, to be more joyful, to be content in this life as you hand these things over to Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who labor and a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That is one of my favorite comments in the entire scriptures. That I can take things to him and I can find rest for my soul. Because Jesus says my yoke is easy and my burden is life. Oh, how the people of the world need to find a rest for their soul. And you here today can find rest for your soul. Living with Jesus is the best way to live. And once we receive that beautiful gift of salvation, then we can go on and Lean into him even more. Become a true follower and disciple of Jesus. Setting our hearts and our minds on him. I think there's always a response. There's like a daily response that we can keep going after him more, keep leaning into him more, go on this beautiful journey because it's a relationship. It's to be a relationship between us and Jesus. And we've got to lean in. We've got to lean in and let's remember, remember it all for all it's worth, for all that he did, for the great sacrifice. Right now over this Easter weekend, there's a golf tournament on and I know many of you will have no understanding of this, but this is like my favourite sporting event on TV in the calendar is the US Masters Golf and I grew up. Across the road from a golf course, I played a lot of golf as a young kid, and I loved this tournament. It's at the same course every year, the same course, this course called Augusta, and, and I love it. And I'll be in front of my TV for many hours tomorrow morning as this competition comes to an end. But there's a bit of a saying out there, and it's called um, the golfer's clap, and some people refer to it, and this is the golfer's clap. It's very polite doesn't have a lot of movement, but it's just a little. 
It's the little golfer's clap. And sometimes you'll hear it. Yeah, let's give that a golfer's clap. It's not loud. It's not a lot going on. It's kind of polite. And this sport that I guess some people think might be a bit of a gentleman's sport, they have a golfer's clap that gets talked about sometime. I think there's one thing we absolutely must do in life, and that is not to give Jesus a golfer's clap. Can I just say that right now? He deserves so much more than a golfer's clap out of our life. Like, so much more than a golfer's clap. Like, none of that. Yeah, that's what I'm talking. Like, that we are genuinely in awe and wonder of him and his sacrifice and his life and who he was and what he can be for our life. We're to honour him. We're to be about him. We're to be sold out for him. That's the way to live this life, to go deeper in him, to take steps today towards him. We need to do that. This Jesus, Philippians 2.7, it talks about that Jesus, he emptied himself. He emptied himself for you and I. He emptied himself. A, a death on a cross was brutal. The Romans knew how to make it painful. He did that for you. He did that for you. Ain't no golfer's clap going to ever cut it in our response to what he did for us. Did it. He emptied himself for us. Took on the form of a servant, that scripture goes on to say. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So I'd encourage us here today, and this is for me too, to never hold back from our love for Jesus, never hold back from having a passion for Jesus, for what he has done for us and follow through. Like I said, he made that, he rose from the dead, he made all those claims about him. Keep studying them, keep looking into what he said and how to do life because he can be listened to and it's going to work. Thinking of when a lawyer asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? In Matthew, he says, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And he just throws in a little two for one. And the second is like it. You shall love the neighbor as yourself. I tell you what, when you're putting your heart and your soul and your mind into something, that is full commitment and there is no golfer's clap involved in that. It is fully in, fully engaged, fully passionate, taking steps towards him. It's how we do it. Get Andy to come under the keys. It's how we do it. We live like that. And I just want to encourage us all here today, whether today is the day where you take your first step towards him, that is magnificent. For those of us that have him in our life, I'd encourage us to get into him even more, to be obedient to his word. And let's tell others, so many people do not have rest for their souls. And the answer is Jesus Christ. And if we have the answer, let's not hold on to it. There's no limit on how many people can receive Christ. God's heart is for all the world. He sent Jesus for all the world to die on a cross so that everyone 
everyone can receive Jesus. Everyone can journey with Jesus. Everyone can have him in our life. Every single one. But I want to conclude here today to say, do you know Jesus? Because there's no more important question for a human ever than that question, do you know him? Do you know him? He walked the earth. And all we've got to do is believe that, that he walked. He died and he rose again. Accept that as the truth. Jesus is so beautiful. Jesus is so available. Here today, this Jesus who healed the sick, assisted the poor, embraced the outcast, he dined with sinners, isn't ready to embrace you today. No matter what you've done, there's no prerequisites to receiving Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, fills us in a little bit more about the other two people that were crucified on each side of Jesus. One of them has a go at Jesus. The other one just stands up and declares some truths. Turning to the other one and saying, what are you on about? We deserve this. He doesn't. He doesn't deserve this. Just in that moment of time, someone who was about to definitely breathe their last breath on planet earth just stood up for Jesus and just saw him for who he truly was and in Luke 23 43 Jesus says to him truly I say to you today you'll be with me in paradise it all comes down to just obeying Romans 10 9 if you confess me with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. And here this morning, Easter Resurrection Sunday, if you're here and you haven't received Christ, if you haven't made that declaration before, I'm so excited because right now you can do that. Right now. You don't have to go another moment in life ever wondering if you were to breathe your last breath if you would make it to heaven you can have full assurance full assurance maybe you're here today and you've said a prayer before and I don't know life's just happened you've just slid away a little bit and here today you just want to get things right with God this invitation is for you also This is the number one priority for a human life. Nothing is grander. Nothing is greater than this. Nothing. Life on earth is going to be so quick compared to eternity. I want to make sure that every person in this room, every person watching online will be in heaven. So just in a moment, I'm going to get us just have a moment to reflect on this Easter Sunday to consider in our hearts would we like to receive Jesus here today and in a moment if you would like to do that for the first time or you're coming back or you just want that assurance you're going to make it to heaven I'll just ask you really briefly to fling your hand up and put it down again 
And I'll say a prayer. It'll be repeated across this room. A prayer of inviting Jesus in. A prayer of just asking him to take the load off your life, the load of the sin. Because he's the only one who can do that. No one else can. It's only through him. And then you can leave this place today with peace in your heart, rest for your soul. So can we just close our eyes just in this moment now, bow our heads. If you're here this morning, and you're like, yes, Hartley, I need to do that. I need to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior for the first time. If you've said a prayer before, but you just slipped away and you just want to say today, you're back today. You want him back in your life like he once was. This is for you also. If you want full assurance, you're going to make it to heaven. If you're in any of those categories here this morning, just with eyes shut around the room, I'd love right now for you to boldly make your confession of faith. Say, yeah, I need to do that here this morning, Harley. You can just raise your hand nice and high in the air. You can do that right now right now to say, yeah, Hartley, that is me. Thank you, my friend. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I see that hand. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. Once you put it up, you put it down. Who else is there here this morning? I've had a couple of people already say, yeah, that's me here this morning, Hartley. I need to receive Jesus as my Lord. I need to get my life right with you. I'll give this a few more moments. This is why Jesus came. This may be for you here this morning. You can just boldly say, yeah, Hartley, that is me. I need to receive Jesus as my Lord, as my Saviour. It's the greatest miracle of human life, is to have our sins washed away. Washed away. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone else? Thank you, my friend. I'm so proud of you. It's bold. It's courageous. God's sake. around the room, those who raise their hand and others that would like to just make this declaration here this morning. Dear God in heaven, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you that he died on a cross for me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me whole. Today I decide to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Magnificent, magnificent. Let's stand to our feet. I think we should give the Lord a round of applause here this morning. He is so good. He is so good. We're going to get the band to come. So proud of each and every one of you that just boldly went, Yeah, that's me here this morning. I'm so proud of you. Follow him, give your life to him. We're going to sing a final song here this morning, and I'm believing right now there's still more in these last moments.
in these last moments, I can believe, I can believe as we sing this song here today that there's people carrying burdens, like I said, of worry, concern, disappointment, sickness, illness, loss, grief, trauma, anxiety, life failings, just to name a few. And in this moment of time, I believe God can come. God can touch you. The youth today can leave this place lighter. You can leave this place today knowing that God has touched you. You might even just want to say, I am handing it over to you, God. The burden has been too heavy for me. The burden has gone on too long for me, and I'm releasing it to you. So, Father God in heaven, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for who you are for our life, both in eternity and our life here on earth. Here today, we lean in. Here today, if we carry a burden, we hand it over to you. We thank you, Lord God in heaven, that you love us. We thank you that you see us. We thank you that you know our name and you are for us. We thank you that we have the greatest days on earth ahead. They're full of hope because we have Jesus Christ in us and with us. In Jesus' mighty name, we praise your holy name. Amen, amen, and amen.